Let's get ready to shift our shit with the SOS podcast featuring Megan Bartley and Rob Giltner. Welcome back to the SOS podcast. I'm Rob, and as always, joined by Megan. Megan, I love the enthusiasm in yes. the voiceover. Yay! I know. I, <laughs> I knew we needed we needed something with that. And, we did. You know, we're we're learning as we go. We are not. We're making this shit up as we go, as we've been saying. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm speaking of what well, we were just speaking kind of before we went live that you had something pretty exciting that you just celebrated with your husband this past yes. weekend. And would you like to share share that news? Yes. Yeah, so my husband, Ben, and I celebrated our 18th wedding anniversary yesterday. Wow. And uh, so our marriage can now buy cigarettes and votes <laughs> and lottery tickets. Um, so it, we celebrated on Saturday by going to the Pearl Jam concert, which Fun. I'm wearing my new Pearl Jam mm-hmm. t-shirt that celebrates peace, which of course is something that's near and dear to my heart. But I that was on my bucket list is even growing up in Seattle, I had never been to a Pearl Jam concert. I knew, I knew where Eddie Vedder lived because mm-hmm. I babysat for some people who lived up the hill from Eddie Vedder. And so I could drive down the hill and see, and I actually drove down like the road. You'd have to know how Seattle's all like hills and all these things. And mm-hmm. so um, so one time I was doing this and I was going towards Eddie Vedder's house and he passed me in his car going the other oh, way. Cool. So I thought mm-hmm. that was pretty cool. But I, I'd never been to a Pearl Jam concert, always wanted to be go to one. I listened to the Vitalogy. Is that how I pronounce it? I'm getting my words all mixed up. I'm so excited. But um, his album in high school was big for me, but he didn't play my favorite song. Oh, no. Yes. He played a lot of great songs. He played a lot of oldies, but um, my absolute favorite Eddie Vedder or Pearl Jam song is Better Man. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Are you familiar I'm with that? Pearl Jam? Okay. Well, and that kind of leads me into, you know, here I am, I, even like a senior in high school, let's say, and I'm I'm listening to this song about Better Man. And it's a story about someone who basically like a wo- female who settles for um, whoever she, the partner she settled for. And then there's this like longing can't find a better man, you know? And mm-hmm. so I feel like I internalized that at a senior in high school and was like, I'm going to find, I'm not going to settle, you know, like when I decide to, you know, be with a partner long-term, like I'm not going to settle. So I feel like I, I, uh, you know, attracted, whether you believe in like the law of attraction or you believe mm-hmm. in like setting intentions or, you know, all that stuff. I had a very specific way that I went about, you know, focusing on the partner that I wanted to be. Right. I mean, did you do something like that? Did you really think through like, here's the person that I want to be with? Yeah, I, I, I really do. And because that's part of the reason why I'm we're doing what we're doing but for me, the importance of relationships were always, 
like high and I was able to be very fortunate to maybe really lean into that and maybe kind of realize or just notice, yeah, that the importance of relationships and to really value them and all kind of relationships, but definitely, you know, maybe the, the ones that, you know, my, my partner that we might kind of be with forever, maybe, or hopefully. And so, yeah, and that, that was something as a young age, you just kind of think and you visualize and you consider. And um, so, it, yeah, it was, it was high importance and something that, um, no, it didn't take lightly. Right. Yeah. And I, I don't know about you, but for me, I, I absorbed, you know, saw, felt, just absorbed my parents' marriage and really, <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, I would say I did not want to have the marriage that my parents had. Like I, I was not a person who felt like I needed to get married, you know, or even, mm -hmm. or have kids. Like that was not something I necessarily aspired to. I think I always felt like I wanted to have connection or, you know, I think late, the older I got, I was like, it'd be nice to have a companion, but like marriage wasn't necessarily like this. I have to get married. Here's what my wedding's going to look like or all that stuff. But, um, you know, I think now looking at my parents' marriage, you know, 45, I, I'm looking at like, there was a lot of stick to itness, you know, that, you know, they, they stuck it out and whether they should have or shouldn't have, you know, that's up, that's neither here nor there, but it's interesting how, when you're in the thick of it as a kid and it doesn't feel good to be around, you know, you start to imagine how you would want to do it differently. Sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I totally agree. And and then maybe even seeing what what can maybe kind of have a negative influence as well, because I'm looking back and seeing that of, OK, what's in what's creating a visual in my mind of what a healthy relationship or marriage should be. And the whole kind of then, you know, I think Disney culture, nothing wrong with, you know, with kind of Disney, but thinking that, you know, it's just heavily ever ever after and your whole your focus is on just finding the one and then everything is easy thereafter because. I think everybody who's been in a marriage knows that there's, you know, good weeks, not so good weeks, good months, good years, not so good years. Um, and it kind of takes some effort and some intentionality. And I, I've kind of really noticed even when you know, it seems so long now, even though it's not. But when when all our friends and when my wife and I were getting married, the importance of the actual just wedding. And that's why weddings are so expensive. They're they're the ball, like, and you see in a Disney movie, they're the, the final hurrah. And there's so much effort and energy put into that. And what's almost like, well, we're not going to think of, of actual, the actual, the actual marriage. And I'm getting off subject, but maybe yes. this is really just subconsciously on my mind because I watched it's maybe my wife's and I guilty pleasure, but have you watched the love is blind on Netflix? I have not. Oh, is that okay, where they well, like meet? They don't. They haven't met the person yet, and they yeah, get together. Yeah. So, they, so, so yeah, they they don't they don't well they meet, but they're behind like a wall, and so they can't see them. So they say blind is because you Got can't it. see them, and it, it's it really. And then you just they have to after just like two weeks of talking behind a wall, then they have to propose, and it follows them through their engagement and how how these individuals are talking it's just like you know love at first sight and you know there's only one person out there for me and all that may be true i'm not, not here to argue that with anybody but this all focus build up to just one day the actual wedding and that's the whole transition of the show 
But anyway, there's these like reunions and now they're going, you know, no couple has stayed together. They've all, they've all not made it. Some, <laughs> some of them, some got married, but then, you know, now, now they're all, you know, separated oh, and kind of divorced. No. I, yeah. And it's just, you know, that kind of toxicity. So I'm really then wondering as a kid, I kind of felt that and had to shake it. But then also you see your parents and you see what you want. I kind of took that and ran with it, but uh, not all maybe the influences are, are good that maybe yeah. kind of guide what we think a relationship yeah. or a marriage should be. Well, that's an interesting because it sounds like what they're trying to do is, is to determine and essentially if you have a somewhat emotional attachment, I mean, are they trying to emotionally attach the people before they actually see them or, you know, is it like just... they, they're calling it a, a study, but really it's just, it's reality oh. TV, but that's yeah. the premise that you develop this emotional attachment but there's also, it could be skewed because these, one, the variable of people just want to be on TV, but then the variable of people, are, they're wanting so hard to find their, their, their partner, yeah. that their, their husband or their wife, they're working so hard. That's what they want. And they uh, kind of manipulate themselves into finding that, even though like maybe uh, kind of overlooking red flags, things they wouldn't yes. normally do just because they want what I think society tells us the, you know, white dress or the tux and the big day, family and friends, the party. And then thinking about, oh, is this person I want to be with forever? That comes like second or third. Right. Well, I, you know, that actually reminds me, I had some weird beliefs, you know, like when I, so I was kind of a late bloomer, if you will. And my first real serious boyfriend, I was probably like 20 and uh i thought you know the first guy that i dated or whatever this was gonna be you know the guy that i maybe married or mm -hmm. something and so it's interesting because this gentleman had he was a recovering alcoholic or he was a year or two older than me a recovering alcoholic recovering drug addict and had some other issues that uh, kind of came to light and as we were dating. And so I started, you know, I was dating him as I was turning 21. And, um, uh, you know, I was able to legally drink, go to the bars or whatever. And so this was a weird thing because, because he was recovering, he was sober, not drinking. So there was this tension about, you know, me, who I don't have, you know, a drinking problem, um, just wasn't really ever super interested in alcohol. But being 21, I was like, I want to go to a bar and have right. this experience. And so, you know, starting to feel these limitations of things that I wasn't going to be able to do, or if we were going to stay in this relationship, it was going to be maybe important for me to honor his sobriety. Uh, and I was really uncomfortable with that. And I remember having a conversation with my aunt. And what's interesting, because I've been thinking backwards a lot lately, and I've read a lot about memory and, you know, the science of memory and how memory is really unreliable. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. Like oh, yeah. The actual facts of what happened specifically are usually not how we remember them, right? Like we mm -hmm. remember the last time we remembered something. Like what what I right. remember right now is the last time I was thinking about this whole scenario. So um, 
I remember talking to my aunt and saying, you know, well, I think this, this guy, you know, I you know, dating this guy, he, he must be the one. And she was like, basically gave me permission to be like, you know, he doesn't have to be, you know? And I was like, what? I don't know. Like I had this really distorted thinking about this. And so, you know, the, the more we, I was 21 trying to live my life, you know, Clearly, I was a very serious person at this time, didn't really know how to have fun, let's say, like most people my age were having fun. I had my own version maybe of fun, but, um, you know, I think it opened the door for me to give myself permission that I didn't have to. I was giving myself limiting beliefs around this might, you know, is the one, but I it's uncomfortable because there's a lot more to this than I'm willing to you know he had participate in so anyway so we ended up breaking up which um actually you know he broke up with me which i think was interesting because he and what i remember again memory is unreliable so if he ever listens to this he might be like that's (laughs) not how it happened but my memory of it was that um that he broke up with me because he was going through some he was struggling with some things and he told me that I didn't deserve to have to go through that stuff with him, you know, that I deserve something different. And, you know, at first I, I, you know, like, I I don't know how I remember, you know, taking that was like, wow, you know, he's sort of pushing me away, but he's also saying like, he needs to deal with this stuff and I don't need to deal with this stuff, which I thought was very, compassionate in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. of like sort of giving me this out if you will because I'm a pretty stubborn person so you tell me you know I can't do something I'm probably going to find a way to do it but so you know that was sort of that and um, it also helped me really think about you know who did I want to be with you know like really get an idea of okay well that wasn't a lot of fun so what are my other options Mm mm-hmm so anyway, yeah. uh, the story gets better. I will say, <laughs> I know that's kind of like, wah, wah, but um, <laughs> well, I was going to say, I was going to act. Well, well, I was going to say, we have your ex on the other line, and I'm going to bring him in here because I think he's oh, remembering the, yeah, oh, like Lord. one of those daytime TV shows. But sorry, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? You know, I'd be, be okay with that. I'd be fine. Like honestly, I, I, there's no, I don't know. Like I just everything has been as it's been for a reason, you know, like it just, it's mm-hmm. almost like hindsight's twenty twenty. but I did end up dating somebody. Uh, I had moved cause I went to school in Seattle uh, college and then moved to Tucson, Arizona after that and dated somebody there who was this great guy. Like everybody loved him, you know, just a gem of a person and um, we had a lot of fun, I'll say. Um, and, you know, but there were some red flags there too, you know, and I, um, you know, I was like, well, I'm having fun. I, you know, that was new for me to just have fun and not think like long, long term. But as we kept dating, I was like, you know, I like who this guy is. However, I wish he were like five years older because he was a year, I think he was a year younger than I was. But, you know, it just, it felt like there needed to be a little bit more of a maturity or something. So my idea was this guy, but five years older. And, um, 
when I met my now husband, Ben, my only husband, um, <laughs> uh, the similarities between the last guy that I dated and Ben are like unreal, like really unreal, you know, because this guy both speak multiple languages. The, when I saw Ben initially, we were at a softball game. We met at a softball game in Louisville, Kentucky at Tom Sawyer Park, which we now live about a mile to away from, which is really odd. Um, but um I thought it was this ex-boyfriend of mine. And I was like, what is, wow. what's he doing here in Louisville, Kentucky? And then I saw his the hat he was wearing in Louisville was a University of Arizona hat from Tucson, Arizona. And I was like, what is going on here? Like, this is bizarre. He looked like my ex. He's wearing a University of Arizona ball cap that, were, you know, I met this ex. Anyway, and then, so they both speak multiple languages, both play soccer, um, both traveled the you world. Ha you have a type. I have a type, yes. And like <laughs> both majored in the same major at the same college. Wow. I mean, like pretty, pretty weird. Um, but I'll say my husband, Ben, you know, all no, no red flags. I was like, whoa, the only red flag. My list is a very long list. The only red flag. Can you guess what it is? <laughs> I'm setting no. you up. I'm setting <laughs> yeah, you up. You're yeah. like, no. <clears throat> he is shorter than I am. And, you know, people who have seen me in real life know that I'm six feet tall. And so yeah. it was. <clears throat> yeah, I was like, I, that's not hard. Yeah. The, I really wanted to um, be with somebody who was taller than me. You know, everybody told me, oh, once you go off to college, you'll meet somebody tall. Or once you this, you know, and I was like, yay, somebody taller than me. But. Ben's about an inch or two shorter than me. And so I had to say, like, okay, of all the things that I really want in a husband, is that the most important thing? Like, will I give up all of these other things um, just to have go try to find somebody who's taller than me with all these things? And I decided, no, it wasn't worth it. So, but the other, <laughs> the most, the most uncanny thing, both dad's name is Ralph. Like both of these, it's so weird. It's so weird. Anyway, so that that is very weird. And one, do you feel like? I mean, obviously, he's you know with Ben, he's the sounding like the perfect fit for you all. You guys are great. But let's just say, like a hypothetical, if Ben came into your life when you were seventeen, do you feel like you would you would be together? No, yeah. absolutely not. We've talked about that. Ben, Ben was. <laughs> He was a little mischievous and I was such a rule follower that it was, you know, like I, we talk about that. It would it anytime sooner. I really think it, it was like anytime sooner. He had just yeah. come back from living in Japan for a year and a half. So he needed to do some things. And I was now in, you know, moved from Seattle to Tucson to Louisville, Kentucky to go to seminary, <laughs> you know, like we were both, and you know, so anyway, no, I, if we had met any sooner, I don't think it would have, and we were never in Tucson at the same time. Like he went to University of Arizona. I worked mm -hmm. at the University of Arizona, but he wasn't from there. I wasn't from there. And we were never, we never lived there at the same time. So that was. Yeah. Well, this, you know, timing is so much, there's so much truth that timing is everything. And Absolutely. I, yeah. And 
just like when, if I met, you know, my wife, when I was 25, 21, I, you know, I don't know if you had been, been together and it's just so much, because a lot of times with relationships too, is trial and error as, as it relates to you, you find out what maybe what might work for you, but also find out how you yourself can be your best partner, because love is a feeling, obviously, but it's also an ability, the ability to give yes. and receive love. And sometimes that, um, like doing something like painting, there's people that might be naturally gifted at it. And there's some of us that might need to kind of grow and improve through practice. And that's okay. Because I, I like my biggest comparison, <clears throat> comparison is my high school best friend. I was best friends at his wedding. He married his high school sweetheart and he got married really young and they're still together. And then you have some people who might, you know, wait, you know, 10, 15, whatever plus years to to kind of get married and all that's okay. But it's all about the kind of the the I think to come back to that ability that sometimes it's trial and error to find what we want, but also to kind of harness our uh, abilities within the love department and that just, yeah, timing's everything. And we also develop obviously as a person. And so the person we yes. are, you know, we might be the same, but we might be different than the person we were 20 years ago. So yeah. I just think if how, the, the what needs to ha happen is so just awesome yes. within timing. And when people come into your life, it's, uh, it's pretty special. Well, I also think too, like there's something about intentionality, right? And kind of, if you can envision it, we have to first envision it in our minds before we see it show up in real life, you know, like in mm -hmm. physical. So I think writing a list, you know, some of the exercises I do with people is single or married. If you, you know, like if you're wanting something to be different, if you write a list of, you know, like let's say you're single, you write a list of all the attributes you want in a partner person, right? All of them from, you know, personality, humor, education, background, maybe even their looks. You know, clearly I wrote down I wanted somebody who was taller than me. Um, because I wonder if you're really clear about what you're looking for. One, you have a reference guide so that you can, as you start to meet people, you can say, oh, this person fits into what I'm looking for or they do not. Or there's like one or two things and how important are those one or two things like are they taller than me or not, right? And also, I think, you know, I will say, you know, our marriage is not perfect by any means. And we've been in marriage counseling multiple times throughout our 18 years. And, you know, if if I'm in a place where I need something to be different, clearly I can communicate that with my partner. And I can also get clear about, you know, writing down what is it right now that I'm needing to be different in this relationship because, you know, and a lot of times I think we point the finger at the other person saying, well, if only you knew to take out the trash without me asking you to take out the trash or whatever the, you know, thing is that we are get annoyed about. Um, but there's something about, you know, clearly there might be something within me that I need to change about my expectations of something or, you know, because I'm a person who has pretty high expectations, maybe sometimes too high. And so I've had to be brought back to reality of like, you know, is that something that really matters? You know, like the age old, you know, not liking how somebody loads the dishwasher, I feel like is 
a conversation that ends up being had about, you know, do the dishes get clean? Yes. Then maybe there's not a problem, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and you kind of mentioned the intentionality, which I love like that. That's been my theme of the month right now. It's just intentionality on several like being mindful. How do I, how do I be intentional or I leave my room and how do I be mindful the rest of the day? But anyway, you mentioned intentionality. You mentioned the couples therapy and that's intentionality to work on the relationship. Yeah. 18 years is a long time. So what, what is the secret to maintain that? You know, I, I asked a friend or a colleague friend of mine was talking once about, she had the opportunity to work with a couple that had been been married for 60 years. And she asked them, what is the secret to being married for 60 years? And they said, you know, we've had about 10 different marriages within the span of these 60 years. And I, you know, that was so eye opening and so telling uh, because I do think your relationship has to shift and change with whatever lifespan development, you know, things that you each are going through, but also the relationship is going through because your marriage, you know, your relationship when you're dating is going to be different than your relationship when you're engaged that might be different than your when you're newly married or you've been married for five six seven eight years uh and then or if you decide to have children you know um you that will change your marriage as well uh once the kids are teenagers when they leave the house your marriage is going to change when you retire you know the marriage is going to change so I think there's an element, we've talked a lot about flexibility, you know, versus rigidity of saying, well, you're not the person that I married, you know, well, probably not. I mean, there's probably some semblance of, you know, who you were, but I would hope that people would shift and change and, you know, hopefully only get better with time. If if they don't get better with time, you know, that's something to clearly pay attention to. But I do think, you know, there is a thought that, you know, if you feel like you got duped, you know, like that you got into this relationship and everything was wonderful and then you got married and then now this person has become, you know, something that you never saw, you know, that's something to pay attention to because there's a thought that, you know, yeah, people can kind of put on an act for you know, or even the honeymoon period can last a year and a half to two years or so, but usually not longer than that. So, you know, you know, part of the dating and really getting to know somebody beforehand can be helpful and important. Yeah. And I do want to just normalize the coming back to timing that the sometimes that the person we marry at a specific time point maybe the best person for us, but maybe that, because some relationships have a shelf life and maybe that relationship, you know, was what we needed for both partners at this stage. But then as we continue to grow and not that anything went wrong, it's like, this might not be who we need right now. And at that stage, we, you know, we maybe going to need kind of somebody else. Uh, and that, that happens as well. And uh, not that if it does, we don't want to judge that just, yeah, that that's just kind of the, the progression of, of kind of the relationships comes often, but, but then also I like to say, and kind of give an example when working with couples is 
ideally we want to be carpooling down the highway together we're both in the in two lanes and we're going the same speed we're going in a direction together and that's very easy well i shouldn't say easy it's never really easy but it's easier when we're like when recording each other when we're early in the relationship where you're going out to dinner and you just want to learn everything you can about you know your partner's day and their life and you're really connected and you're kind of growing together then it kind of as time happens, it kind of gets more difficult. One partner could speed up, one could slow down, but you know we still see each other, so it's not causing a, a concern. Then we might have a kid, or we might move. We might have a major life event, and that can really speed up or slow down our cars. And what can really happen with time and life events? It can be like one partner with nothing, no malicious intent, but one partner can get off on one exit. One can keep going, and then we just feel like we're we're states away. We have this huge difference, and then there's this disconnection, and we're lost. And so part of it is how can we, if this is something a couple needs, how can we come back and kind of really feel connected as if we're carpooling in a direction that we mutually agree, that, that gives us meaning, and that's, yeah, really maintaining the the us in the, in the connection by, yeah, we're doing this together. Um, I, I really kind of like that analogy with working with couples. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. And I do think, um, you know, uh, Patricia Love was my mentor in um, Austin and she's written some really great books. And one is um, How to Improve Your Marriage Without Talking About It, which was very inspirational to me. Because I do think, you know, we think, oh, we've got to talk about everything and we've got to, you know, mm -hmm. all the things and be on the same page and all the stuff. And I, while that is important, yes, I do think there's an element of part of it is maybe checking in with yourself to see, is there something I can be doing a little bit differently to help improve things, you know, like just paying attention, you know, that's why, again, back to like mindfulness stuff is like being mindful of how am I showing up in this relationship? And is that the most helpful way? And I know, you know, sometimes we revert back to the little kid in us and we're like, but why is it my responsibility to have to do this? You know, like, why can't they know that I need X, Y, Z? But I think, you know, and I remember very clearly um, a point in time, I don't know, maybe I talked about this did I talk about this already in the podcast? Uh, I was telling a, this story recently about, I remember really clearly we were living in Austin, Texas, and I think we'd had at least one kiddo by now. And I was just like really frustrated with, with something and with our relationship. And, you know, I was just thinking about Ben in a certain way. And I was just, all I could think about were like all of his faults, you know, like, oh, and he doesn't do this and he doesn't do that. And he does, you know, and I remember driving and I, I was getting on this on-ramp of this freeway in Austin and something clicked at, at the same time about, you know, I wonder what would happen if I stopped thinking about all the things I don't like, you know, and it was like, you know, stupid stuff. It wasn't really, really big stuff, you know, um, like how does he load the dishwasher or, you know, whatever the thing was. And I started thinking about what if instead I started thinking about all the wonderful things he does, you know, who, who, you know, focusing on the positive things or the, you know, things I can be grateful for, gratitude for, you know, like he's wonderful provider for our family. He, you know, 
has a great sense of humor. He's so, you know, kind and compassionate and all these things that I was like, well, shit, you know, like, you know, and I think before it was kind of like, I needed a bad guy. I needed him. I needed right. to point my finger to be like, oh, you're, you're the bad guy, you know? And, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, looking back to, you know, there was a piece of that was probably how I was raised. That it, That's kind of how the marriage felt, you know, my parents' marriage of, always complaining about one of another, you know, and then dragging the kids into the middle of that and, you know, pitting us against and triangulation and all this different stuff that just didn't feel good. But I am so thankful for that sort of moment heading up that on-ramp to that freeway where it was like shifting the perspective. And I think that's why you know, helping people shift the perspective in therapy is so near and dear to my heart because, um, you know, it's, it's, it's so important of like, you could be sitting in the exact same room with all mm -hmm. the same things around you. But if I were to sit in that chair, you know, across from me, instead of this chair, I would have a different perspective of the exact same room, you know? Right. So, yeah, I mean, now I, I go back to that all the time, you know, like, how can I shift my perspective on this? How, how can you shift your shit? Shift your shit. And we're shit shifting our shit. Yeah. We're, we're shift shifters. And the, the trance that that creates of just thinking of, gosh, look how we put the dishwasher, the dishes in the dishwasher this time. And look how we did that. And it, it's easy to happen. It's so easy to happen because a lot of our emotions help us as an individual and are, aren't fully maybe capable of helping us on a relational level. And I've spoke about this before, but I'm going to bring it up because it's <clears throat> topical and I'm, you know, like talking about it. But, but <laughs> that, that's if, if, <clears throat> if you have a hope, like a dream, um, something that matters to you, and maybe it could be how the house looks. And if your husband or a partner is not going about that in the maybe way that you want, that might make you feel frustrated or might make anyone feel frustrated and you can't help it. That's your own emotion saying, hey, how the house looks matters to me. It's not coming. And so frustration is I'm going to show up to kind of get this need met, whether it's big or small, it doesn't matter. You're still feeling the emotion. The emotion doesn't know if the content is extremely important or lesser important. You're still feeling frustrated. Then after a while, if nothing kind of gets better, frustration says, gosh, I'm not making any change. So I'm going to bring on another emotion to try to create some change. And maybe after a while, that emotion might be resentment where we're in that trance and we're just kind of really hating on all the things our partner does. Or we're really just focusing on the flaw because it's kind of like the emotion grabs your heads and, and it wants you to stare at it. Because it thinks, gosh, maybe if we resent this person enough, if we're finding the criticisms enough, that will create some change because emotions can kind of influence behavior. But that doesn't, doesn't really work. But the emotions don't do that. So it's just so easy because the emotions, which is trying to help, go about helping us and actually hurting the kind of relationship. Because right. they think, you know, if my wife is poking me with the stick, after a while, I'm going to feel hurt. And then I might feel sad and then anger might show up as like, you're still getting pricked. So like you need to, you know, <laughs> knock it out of her hand as a way to right. protect you. The same thing coming with is something small as how the house looks. So 
yeah, and so it's just one of the normalizes. It's so easy for right. that to happen. But just, yeah, what you're talking about as you got on the on-ramp is just really zooming out with your perspective and saying, hey, there is a whole perspective that I'm not seeing because maybe your emotions was just grabbing your eyeballs and saying, only look at this. Right. Yes. And I, I think the other thing I've realized probably with time is it's not my husband's job to make me happy. Right. Like mm-hmm. ideally, you know, you got, we got on this, you know, we're carpooling together, but like maybe I'm still in this, a different car. Right. Or something right, like right, it's still, right. I have, I have to pay attention to where I'm driving the car. So if, you know, we're constantly looking at our partner to make us feel differently, you know, but not taking the responsibility for ourselves, because, I mean, I've seen this throughout our marriage where, you know, when we met, uh, well, when we were living in Austin, he he then was, was an improv comedian and he'd be gone a lot in the evenings, whether he was practicing or um, had a show or something. And so then I'd be left at home sort of by myself. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, and he probably won't like me saying this, but we spouses of comedians would call ourselves comedy widows because we were like (laughs) sort of left, you know, alone a a lot of the time while they were off having fun with their comedy friends. And, you know, I remember really clearly going through, you know, I'd say a bit of a depression where I... (laughs) you know, was like, well, shit, you know, this is, this is not fun, but I could also, I needed to create a life for myself where I had friends and whatever, and be, you know, find times to connect with Ben that were different than these Mm -hmm. times that I was expecting, you know, or to say, hey, can we have some time together this week Um, And I think I had this expectation maybe early on, like, oh, we're supposed to really meaningfully connect every single day. And I'm not sure that was really um, uh, possible. I don't know. You know, Mm -hmm. like maybe if we could meaningfully connect once a week, that was going to be helpful, you know. Uh, But, um, you know, just so that we are kind of checking in to say, like, are we carpooling together or are we, you know, on two different freeways right now? So, you know, and and yeah, so just really checking in with yourself to seeing are you doing things that are making yourself happy? You know, Mm -hmm. maybe those are things that your partner could participate in with you, but maybe they're not. I mean, that's the other thing is like Ben and I have very different, you know, hobbies, you know, and, and things that we enjoy doing. Like, I don't really know much about football or University of Arizona basketball or, you know, nor do I, am I choosing to spend a lot of brain power thinking about that, but clearly that's what's important to him. So will I watch a game with him or whatever once in a while? Sure. But, you know, I like to read or I like to do yoga. Uh, I like to paint, you know, those are things also that I kind of like to do by myself. I don't really need somebody to come do them with me. Um, So it might be okay if he's not participating in those things with me, but we have joint, you know, things that we like to do. Like we love to travel. Like we just love, love, love to travel. So 
COVID was kind of difficult, although we did do a little traveling throughout COVID, but we really like international travel. We like to learn about new cultures and see historic things and all that stuff. So, you know, it's finding those things that you can connect with or even humor, you know, like we like mm-hmm. to make each other laugh um, and crack up and having kids has been wonderful for that. Cause when the kids say crazy off the wall things that you're like, Oh, I can't wait to tell Ben about that. Or I can't wait, you know, Oh, go, go say that joke to your dad, you know, so that they, that he can get that, you know, laughter mm-hmm. for himself too. So it's interesting. I will say, you know, 18 years is no joke. And I can clearly remember being married for like two years, three years and be like, I don't even, you know, what's it going to be like to be, to say I've been married for 18 years, you know? Right. Um, but in some ways it feels, it feels like there's history, a good history, but it also feels like it's still new. You know, every day it's still kind of a new, mm-hmm. new adventure, you know? Yeah, I can see that. And I do want to come back to the working on yourself and the relationships is we as individuals have, um, individual meaning that things that us that gives us meaning like you know reading and yoga and then there's shared meaning within the relationship too like travel that you talked about and both are important because you have you know more you have bank accounts but not just financial you all have two bank accounts you have an individual emotional bank account that's deposits and withdrawals the deposits are maybe the yoga and the reading the withdrawals are you know, if you have to file your taxes or something like that, the times that might be stressful. And then you have an emotional bank account with your partner and the withdrawals maybe are the arguments and the deposits are the times of traveling. And we need to make sure we we have uh, just like with any bank account that it needs to have a healthy number in there. So we don't um, stress or worry or cause cause kind of friction. Yeah, but I do. I have a game for us as we close. But before okay. we do it. Anything else about relationships and marriage and what works before you know, we close? One, one thing I was thinking about um, of every year, usually it's around our anniversary. Sometimes we do it at like New Year's with the new year. But every year we set goals. You know, this is something we've done for a long time. I actually did this with a friend of mine. I think since high school. Um, and then when we each went off and got married, you know, I, ben, ben and I started doing it with each other, but um, we set goals of like for ourselves or each for ourselves. Like he sets goals for himself, what he wants to accomplish in the next year. I set goals for myself professionally, personally. And then we set goals as a couple and as a family, you know, like what are we so we kind of have a roadmap for the upcoming year. And I we don't really, I mean, we kind of maybe talk about like, did we accomplish our goals last year? But we kind of just like, eh, it's a new year. Let's just start all over. Like, where do we want to go? But I think that's always been really helpful because at least, you know, even if we're not connecting super tight every single week, it's sort of like we have the overall umbrella of knowing kind of where we're headed and where we're going and that kind of stuff, even financial goals, mm-hmm. you know, like, so that we're on the same page um, with that. And that's, so that's important. been really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And we're so more, important. you know, and just, you know, we've chosen instead of buying each other like lavish gifts or anything, like we've chosen to use our money it, with experiences, you know, whether it is going to see Pearl Jam, which was definitely fun or, you know, saving the money to go on a, 
um, uh, trip. But I will say he did buy me a gift. Can I tell you what it was? Please. <laughs> he bought me and we laughed. It's like, this is something we laugh about is he bought me. I wish I had it. I could show it in the video, but um, he bought me a word search um, book from Kroger when he went and got Fine. my card which is exactly what I love to do. I love word searches. Um, and so it was very on point. I was not, there was no, you know, I was not offended by a word search because I like <laughs> to just hang out and like, let my like brain look for words. Look for words. Yeah. So he knows me very well. That was a good way for mm -hmm. him to show me that he sees me and he knows what I like. So that was a nice gift. So that's all I have to say. Yeah. yeah props to Ben. Shout out to Ben. Yay, Ben. All right. Well, speak of you know, Ben might want to turn the, uh, the you know, stop the podcast right now because I was thinking of mentioning when we were younger and kind of first, you know, you know, first love. And so I'm thinking right now, okay, who, you know, I, I'm trying to think, should we do it back when you're younger or now? I might do it now. Who's your celebrity crush? Celebrity crush. Ooh, I don't really have one. I don't know. That's a good question. There's not anyone like I don't because it's not I don't never. I don't know. I don't think like what is there's like what is the one where you marry? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think we might just. Yeah, you yeah. skip that yeah. one. I don't know. I, I don't really <laughs> yeah. think about that. Um, Who do I find handsome? I've always found Harry Connick Jr. Handsome. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Like he just seems like a nice guy you know like i'm mm -hmm. i don't know i'm a little i don't always go for like the super hunky muscular mm -hmm. whatever you know so i'd say let's say harry connick jr that's a good how, one how about my, you my, yeah my wife we, we play this game sometimes and so mine and my wife would know mine and i know hers but mine are uh rose Byrne and anna Moss are probably my two right i really i loved olivia wilde but uh, I didn't like the divorce with Ted Lasso, unfortunately. Yes, sounds like <laughs> there's something going on there with her. Maybe I don't know, but I also have I also have girl crushes too, though. So I want to just normalize mm -hmm. that, you know, like sure. Julia Roberts definitely oh, when I, I was Julia younger. <laughs> Molly Ringwald, like in my high school years, I definitely had some girl crushes on Molly Ringwald, but um, you know, so maybe a little Reese Witherspoon. Maybe not. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We'll see. But um, so, yeah, a J-Lo, J-Lo for sure. I'll say just, mm -hmm. you know, J-Lo brings it. Yeah. Well, great. <laughs> Maybe well, this is this, so this is something we might need to explore a little bit more. No, I, I know. I know. You said, well, I don't really have any celebrity crushes. And you just listed 10 <laughs> names. And I couldn't, couldn't have to mute you to get you to stop. I know. But I think it's just maybe of admiration, you know, like. Right, right. Of you know, these strong female women who are just kicking ass, you know, like, mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I just, I think that's, it's a good, something nice to aspire to perhaps. Oh yeah. I'm the same way. That's, you know, I, I wouldn't, you know, maybe I, I should call it, but I never would thought they think call it, but more of just like, yeah, guys that growing up that you, maybe you admire and it kind of, in it's a yeah. similar way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So well, good deal. Well, thanks, Megan. And again, congrats yes. to you and Ben Thank on you. your anniversary. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, we'll see you next week. Bye.